Don't look back because the market is closed. Good Tuesday afternoon, everyone. Tyler Harridge here with you for today's VRA Investing Podcast. Well, welcome back from the long Labor Day weekend. Hope you all had a great Labor Day weekend for countries out there that celebrate or have the day off for Labor Day. But after the long weekend, it was an interesting start to the week for our markets, news-wise, a lot going on out there. I'm going to try and and cover as much of it as possible here. Uh, Some of it outside of the markets, some of it that seems outside of the markets that will likely affect the markets. Uh, But really just a, uh, almost just a strange day, really, uh, for the type of action that we saw. It really interesting trading overall. But so first off here, a little bit different of a story to kick off the podcast. As this morning, it was revealed by The Intercept that they had obtained some pretty damning evidence against the the uh, the doctor tyrant Anthony Fauci, and we've covered this a lot here. Got a little hate for covering it a few times. You know, we like to stick with the markets, but this has been there. Really, hasn't been a more important story over the last eighteen months in anybody's mind than coronavirus and the questions surrounding whether it's its origin, our government's reaction to it. I mean, look at what's happening in Australia right now. Uh, just totally upended the entire world for the last 18 months. And so looking at what just came out this morning, The Intercept received over 900 pages from a FOIA request. That's a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit that they brought against the National Institutes of Health, where, of course, Anthony Fauci uh, is it works as a director at. Uh, but before I get into those documents, you may remember earlier this year where Rand Paul, who is also a doctor, by the way, practiced medicine longer, really, with actual patients than Fauci himself has, but he was questioning Fauci about the gain-of-function research that was being performed through the NIH at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Something like, and, and uh, you know, I'm speaking off the top of my head here about this, but I believe it was in 2014 they shut down the Institute of Virology that was in the U.S. Uh, and essentially outsourced everything to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. That is where coronavirus was allegedly, I say allegedly, the lab leak theory, uh, that is where it would have originated from, where it was possibly released. Fauci, at the time of that questioning, I believe it was in July, stated the NIH has never, not ever, and does not now fund gain-of-function research in the Wuhan Institute Virology. Rand Paul pushed him hard on it, really just asking questions, Fauci so visibly angry that he was even being asked these questions. Uh, the video went around a lot where Fauci accused uh, Rand Paul of lying and basically um, uh, uh, basically defaming him from what he was saying. 
saying that you do not know what you're talking about and that he wanted to say that on record, say it officially. Well, today, through this FOIA request, we now have evidence that the NIH did award a grant to the EcoHealth Alliance to understand the risk of bat coronaviruses. It started out to the tune of $600,000, paid annually as much as $3.1 million. And folks, I mean, you got to remember, these people in government, that's not their money they're spending. It's our money that they're spending. These are taxpayer dollars being used to fund this research. And now we have proof that they were doing gain-of-function research. This new evidence does prove that Fauci lied to Congress. Now, we know that the system that we live in likes to take care of its own. You get fired from a government job, you land a big-time corporate job. That's how it works. They protect their own. Uh, Janet Yellen is a great example of this. After being, uh, After her tenure as Fed chairman went on to receive millions and millions of dollars for public speaking engagements. 30-minute engagements, 45, an hour-long engagements, a lot of them video calls that she received millions of dollars for. Now, (laughs) that alone should have barred her from receiving the Treasury Secretary role because now she's investigating and in charge of regulating the same banks that she received money from before. That's how the system works. So the system takes care of itself. So we'll see if Fauci is able to weasel his way out of this one. You know, they're going to pull every string that they can, or at least that he can, or maybe they'll throw him under the bus. That, that's certainly a possibility as well to keep the rest of those in the system protected. But now, Rand Paul has formally requested a Department of Justice investigation into Fauci. So stay tuned, folks. This just broke earlier today. Uh, It's going to be a fascinating one to follow here, assuming that it doesn't get swept under the rug. Uh, Already, you're not seeing coverage of this a whole lot of places, and certainly not on places like CNN or anywhere like that. Uh, But hopefully, we can finally start to get some answers as to what's really been happening over the last 18 months or so. Uh, So that... News in and of itself was just fascinating. That's why I wanted to start off the podcast with it. But in the market today, also a lot of really interesting news. Some of it I'll cover later in the podcast as far as commodities and cryptocurrencies go. But our markets did finish mixed on the day today. And we are now entering the seasonally weakest period of the year. And right on cue, our markets have hit overbought and extreme overbought readings uh, for most of our major indexes, the mega caps. Let's take a look at at, at some of those as well. We'll take a look at all of them uh, here today. But the FANG names certainly in overbought territory for the most part, not all of them. Apple was able to hit an all-time high today, which may explain why the NASDAQ was able to be our only index to finish higher on the day-to-day. But also over the weekend, The federal unemployment benefits that were created for coronavirus insanity, and again, (laughs) we've said this here often as well, it wasn't coronavirus that created 
the, the massive economic problems that we've seen over the last 18 months is the government's response to coronavirus that decimated our economy. I mean, what do you expect when you shut down the world's largest economy? It doesn't just spark right back up, but the government certainly didn't help with the unemployment benefits that they've continued for the last 18 months. Certainly after the government shut us down last year, that was a necessary uh, injection of cash into the system that was needed for many people not to just go completely belly up. So really one of the few times that we'll applaud the Federal Reserve and what they did, uh, but it's gone on for far too long now. Uh, but those benefits, the unemployment benefits, including the $300 weekly bonus checks for those unemployed have ended. That affects roughly seven and a half million Americans who will lose benefits entirely now. There's still a lot who will receive the regular unemployment benefits in certain states and, and the, the national benefits that existed before coronavirus as well. But this does affect seven and a half million Americans who will lose their benefits entirely. So despite of how you feel about it, of course, you know, if those people are struggling, we never want to wish ill on anybody who needs that type of a benefit. But we have roughly 10 million job openings right now in America. So more jobs that needed to be filled than people receiving unemployment benefits. So hopefully this should put a dent in the small businesses who've been struggling to find people to work, uh, whether it's leisure and hospitality services, getting people back to work. Uh, as we continue to reopen here in the states that are still in lockdown, in Texas, it's hard to believe that any states are still complying with that at all, but it is happening. Sorry for all of those out there in blue states where you're still locked down. It's just unbelievable. But it's time, it's been long past time that it is time to get back to work in this country. Now, some of that will be delayed. Those in unemployment benefits, a lot of people were making more money on unemployment than they were at their jobs. So they were able to save a lot of money, which is great. You love to see the saving rates go up in this country. Now it won't last as long because inflation has gone up. When you put more money into the hands of people, they're going to still be competing for the same goods. So that has been the issue, the supply issues that we've heard so much about as the cause for inflation. So that those savings aren't going to go as long as they would have before. But there might be a little lag uh, in, in employment. Uh, but as those savings do start to run out, people will need to get back to work. Uh, Now, that being said, that doesn't necessarily mean that the Fed is going to ease off their easy money policies. We've been saying it for months now, despite the taper fears leading up to the Fed Jackson Hole meeting, we still are in the camp that the Fed will not taper in 2021. And even if they try in 2022, we fully expect that it'll be short lived. We believe the Fed is taking us down the road of Japan here. We're writing a book about it now. We've talked about it some here on the podcast. Can't wait to get that out to y'all. Uh, and it will be here soon. But the Fed is taking us down the road to Japan. The Bank of Japan is the largest holder of Japanese securities, whether it's stocks, bonds, debt, all of it. Soon, the U.S. Federal Reserve is going to try to enter into the same 
phase as well. They will become and have become in many ways the buyers of first and last resort. Uh, you know, despite that news, bond yields were up today, 3.6%, now hitting a 1.37 on the 10-year. But just like the Fed won't end tapering, we also don't believe that they're going to be raising rates. Uh, in our view, negative rates are almost a certainty to come our way here in the United States over the coming years. You see it in most of Europe, again, Japan, and other countries as well. That is the path that the Federal Reserve wants to take us down here. Uh, so it was interesting, though, even with bonds up on the day, that the NASDAQ was our only major index to finish higher. It was pretty much flat on the day, but that is an all-time high, up 0.07% to 15374 So again, interesting to see tech higher on that bond news. Also today, though, with the other three major indexes negative on the day, the VIX was up a big 10.5% to an 18 now. Still, that is another, uh, excuse me, that is another lower high that we've seen in this repeating pattern since March of 2020. So too soon to, to tell really on the VIX, but uh you know, that pattern has been a pretty good indicator over the last 18 months or so. Uh, but for our ma other major indexes, next up was the S&P 500, down 0.34% to 4,520. Next up was the Russell 2000, down just over 7 tenths of 1% to 2,275. And lastly, the Dow, down 0.76% to 35,100. Again here, this is the weakest period of the year, so we see it as necessary to proceed with caution, but I can tell you, and we are at overbought levels for our major indexes, so that's important to remember as well, but if we can get some weakness into December, we believe it'll be short-lived. We continue to believe this market is, this is a melt-up bull market driven by the liquidity from the Fed great earnings from companies that we've seen, and then, of course, inflation. Inflation serves as a boost for the stock market. As prices continue to go up, stock prices continue to go up as well. There's also a lot of fear around the seasonality, seeing a lot of it in the mainstream media today, referencing last year's 10% correction in September. They're going to use that to stoke fear. But again, we believe that's going to be short-lived. We are ready here at the VRA to load the boat when the time comes. It's going to be a great rally into year end as we see it here. Uh, so come and join us. You can join us at VRAinsider.com. See what we're buying here, what we're holding, uh, and what we think are going to be some of the biggest winners going into year end. Next up here, let's take a look at our internals on the day. Mixed to negative day here overall for the internals. Not necessarily awful. Uh, certainly not good though, but we have seen improved internals uh, as of late, but declining stocks did beat out advancing stocks today. Not quite, but almost two to one negative on the day. New 52 week highs to lows were our bright spot coming in over three to one positive on the day today. So good to see over 300 stocks uh, hitting 52 week highs today, despite the weakness that we saw. And then lastly, volume. Very close to being positive across the board, but it was mixed on the day, coming in negative for the NYSE and positive for the NASDAQ. 
Next up, taking a look at our sectors on the day today, we finished with three out of our 11 S&P 500 sectors higher on the day. We were led by communication services, followed by consumer discretionary, and then tech, the tech sector, XLK, just barely shy of an all-time high today. It really was pretty much unchanged, up 0.03%. But the one thing that we they don't really want to see was the semis not leading. The semis were down two-tenths of 1% today, still just off of an all-time high here as well. We're at overbought conditions, though, uh, on SMH, the semiconductor ETF as well. So again, another factor there that we're looking for in a pullback. And then finally for today, our VRA commodity watch. Really interesting action in commodities on the day today. Gold down over 2% on the day, fell back below its 200-day moving average, had about six days of getting back above that important technical level. A lot of technicians watched the 200-day moving average, uh, but gold was down, just like I said, just over 2% to 1,796 an ounce now. Silver down as well by 1.7% to $24.38 an ounce. Copper down 1.38% to $4.27 a pound. And the oil sector, energy overall started off the day positive, but it did turn lower. Oil now down 1.34% to $68.36 a barrel. And then finally for today, Really interesting action from the cryptocurrencies as a whole. Bitcoin was set up really to have a pretty strong day. Uh, El Salvador announced that they would be buying an additional 150 Bitcoins worth around 7 million. As of today, they, they announced this a while back, but it, took pl- it, it was implemented today that they are now the first country to make Bitcoin a legal tender. Yeah, already, even in mega corporations like McDonald's and Starbucks, you can go in and buy your food, your coffee with Bitcoin. So, you know, pretty cool, actually. Uh, But it did turn out to be a little bit of a buy the rumor, sell the news event for Bitcoin. And, you know, really, a lot of that probably didn't have to do a whole lot with El Salvador. I mean, it's a it's a micro economy compared to to most other developed nations out there. I think their their yearly GDP is like 24 billion. I mean, we have companies bigger than that here in the United States. Uh, but still, an interesting turn of events after what could have been a really strong day for cryptocurrencies. Bitcoin uh, down, tw- uh, sorry, down 9.5% to 47,058. Still though, you got to remember, Bitcoin was below 30000 not too long ago. Let's take a look at the chart really fast. Yeah, I mean, it was below 30000 in mid-July. And since then, has rallied some, even even at this these prices today, has rallied over 50%. So, you know, a little bit of a correction here. Not too big of a deal, especially with the volatility that you see with cryptocurrencies. But it wasn't contained to Bitcoin. Most of the other cryptocurrencies lost more. Ethereum, for example, now down 14% to 3,393. Still has had a huge move from its lows earlier in the summer as well. But some of these other cryptos down over 20% on the day or so. I mean, massive losses here. Uh, But and I, I speak for myself with this one. Uh, I'm a big fan of cryptocurrencies and what they could possibly do, which is 
a huge reason why central banks don't want to allow cryptocurrencies to really happen. They're going to introduce their own version, the central bank digital currencies already being rolled out in China in the process of being rolled out in Europe. The U.S. Federal Reserve is working on theirs as well. So you can almost guarantee that they're going to try to pass some regulations outlawing cryptos. You've seen it from previous SEC chairs um, working against certain cryptos that they weren't interested in. It's really interesting. Uh, the the previous SEC chair, whose name I'm, uh, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on it right now, but one of his last uh, investigations that he announced on the day he was leaving office was against XRP, which is Ripple. Now, he works for a law firm that specializes in legal defense for Bitcoin and Ethereum. So I can't see any conflict of interest there, uh, but that is what we come to expect from the system that we live in now. But you can see why they don't want cryptocurrencies, and if they do want them at all, only the ones that they own. Uh, Certainly has been the case for Bitcoin uh, and somewhat for Ethereum as well. But yeah, Really interesting day for the market overall. I didn't even get a chance to cover uh, China sending um, planes into Taiwan's airspace. Really interesting stuff developing over there. After we just witnessed the catastrophe in Afghanistan under the Biden administration, what's to make us think that they wouldn't try to make a move on Taiwan, much like they did to Hong Kong at the end of Trump's presidency? Chinese stocks were up pretty big today. KWeb, the Chinese internet ETF, a main one that a lot of people track, just got has been destroyed this year. It was up at, at to $104 a share earlier in the year, got all the way down to $43, but it was up 4% on the day today, now back to $54. Uh, but some of the other uh, Chinese ETFs were up big today as well. Certainly, as much as we may not want to be long-term investors in China, there's going to be some tradable opportunities here with how bad these have been beaten up over the last few months, really since February. Uh, So stay tuned. We'll be reporting on that here more as well. But folks, thank you for tuning in. That is all that we have time for here today. Please be sure to subscribe to receive our VRA podcast every day at the market close. You can sign up at VRAinsider.com. Click the podcast link at the top, and we'd love to have you with us. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you back here tomorrow for the close.